Hi, Damien Marcus from 100 Not Out here. MP. Yes, Damo. We all know the importance of having a diary, but who wants a boring old day planner? Not me. Enter the journey of me. Ta-da! The incredible eight-month wellness journal designed especially for wellness peeps like you. Yes, Damo, this beautiful eight-month wellness guide is filled with questions, planners, exercises, reflective notes, and more. Endorsed by the Up For A Chat girls and loved the world over, the journey of me is a must-have if you're ready to live your best life for life. To purchase your very own journey of me and receive a free set of inspirational postcards, simply enter the code COUCH at www.wellandnew.com. That's www.w-e-l-l-i-n-e-u-x.com. TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. The Real Food Real is a fresh and educational podcast dedicated to your health. We get real on current research, debunk food myths, and educate you on how to just eat real food. Your host, Steph Lowe, the natural nutritionist, is one of Australia's leading sports nutritionists, passionate about simplifying nutrition and addicted to coconut lattes, smoothies, and sweet potato. If you love the show, then please leave us a review on iTunes. Share the real food real with your friends and continue to spread the real food love. team and welcome to the latest episode of The Real Food Real. Today on the show, we speak with Alexis Gertz, bacteria barista, whose goal is to educate people on probiotics, healthy living and eating, and to make the words like bacteria, yeast and fermentation more familiar and less scary. Let's talk fermentation with Alexis. Hi and welcome to the show. Hey there, Steph. Thanks for coming on The Real Food Real. Because it's your first time on the show, I'd love for you to start with some background information about yourself and certainly how you got to create um, the term bacteria barista. Yeah, right. So um, about three years ago um, in Canada, I was given my first bacteria. And bacteria is a kind of a scary word, but actually these are things as we'll talk about, that you actually need in your gut and in your flora. And this particular bacteria was called milk kefir, which is basically a type of yogurt in a way, a yogurty drink. And someone gave me this physical bacteria and it was growing and growing and I didn't know what I should do with it. And so I decided to share it with people and put it online for sale. And so many people were into it. And I discovered there's this whole culture of people that are interested in um, making their own fermented foods for health reasons, whether it's they have cancer or whether they're a sports, like an athlete that is looking for probiotics and to have a healthy digestive system naturally. And uh, a friend of mine was doing the same thing. And we came together and we saw that there was a market there, like of people that were interested in learning how to do their own probiotics because probiotics at this point in our antibacterial age and uh, is really popular. Doctors at this point are giving antibiotics for every sickness and stripping our entire systems of the good and the bad bacteria. So we're trying to sort of give back those good bacteria to people's systems in a natural way. And um, Edible Alchemy started in Canada for, for a year and a half, and I moved to Berlin, um, and my, my business partner is actually still in Canada, still running workshops, and I'm here in Berlin running workshops as well as online workshops, teaching people 
how to do their own probiotics, whether it's um, kombucha or um, milk kefir or vegan cheese with seeds and nuts or crazier things um, diff using different kinds of probiotic good bacteria. Fantastic. So Edible Alchemy is the company. Um, and so that's obviously the sale of the fermented bacteria or the products, certainly the workshops. Tell us more around uh, what your aim is to do there. Yeah, so basically when people hear these words bacteria and yeast, they're quite um, turned off maybe even by the word fermentation. People are often thinking mold, they're thinking sour, they're thinking rotten. But um, actually these are things and traditions that have been going on for many, many years behind us. Our forefathers have been making sauerkraut and wine and beer, and these are things that we still enjoy today. So basically, it is my responsibility to sort of give the people knowledge that it's actually here in front of us now. It's around us all around the world, um, and there's not even one culture you can find that doesn't have something fermented. And if people are interested to do it themselves, that's my goal is to sort of give that knowledge to them to do it safely um, and to do it um, right and also to experiment because this is really a huge world and there's, there's endless possibilities. I'm constantly learning um, from other people and from my own mistakes or from my own like happy mistakes. Um, so basically to teach people what they can do themselves and to get things naturally. Yeah, so you have some interesting travel stories. So it sounds like you've, um, I guess, learnt from a lot of different cultures and identified that fermentation is a practice that um, is used for the health and wellness of, of every culture. So have you got any great stories to share with us, what you've learnt over those travels? Sure, yeah. Um, I lived in Mozambique for, for a year when I was 19 until 20 years old. Um, and I lived really, really in the bushes where there wasn't any refrigeration or any electricity at all. And at this point, I wasn't into fermentation. I was just, you know, generally into food and health and sports like I, like I still am. And I noticed that they had no refrigeration. And how were they able to eat food, you know, days on end after they had made it, you know, a couple of days before? And actually, the food was going through a fermentation process. And the people were always telling me, oh, it's always better, you know, two days after. And I always wondered why. And it actually tasted better, it tasted different, um, but also gave you a lot more energy. And it was because it was going through this fermentation process. Um, and there's tons of different moonshines and beers and alcoholic drinks that come out of it. Um, can be a problem and it can also be um, a benefit to the culture depending on how they use it. But um, it was, it's definitely a way cultures are able to get nutrients that they aren't able to get otherwise. So basically when you're fermenting something, the cell walls of, let's say, a vegetable like kale, kale is really hard to digest generally. And we think we're being super great vegans or vegetarians eating these raw kale salads. But when you ferment something, the cell walls are being broken down of that kale and the nutrients are now bioavailable. Bio in your in your digestive system and people are often wondering oh I'm eating these raw kale salads and why am I getting so bloated and gassy it's actually because your digestive system is working so hard to digest it 
that it's maybe not even getting the nutrients in the end. But after you ferment it, you're able to absorb all of those nutrients that you wouldn't get before. And this is a lot of, uh, in a lot of different cultures, this is how they're able to get, you know, vitamin B and, and vitamin C that they haven't got in, in other cases before it's fermented. Yeah, great. So I'm glad you started to address that because fermentation, although it's become quite popular in the last three or four years, it, it's certainly not familiar to everybody. So can you take us through sort of the, the more science aspect of fermentation and how the anaerobic metabolism is of benefit? It's of benefit, yeah, sure. So like even for in general, people often think, oh, there's a lot of sugar involved. Um, but actually... When it's metabolizing, the sugar is becoming acids and gases and alcohol and is producing this carbon dioxide, which actually makes things less caloric. So maybe you're starting with 100% sugar and you're actually getting 80% less, which you're ending with maybe 20% sugar in a kombucha solution. Um, and you're actually, for vegetables and other things, you're releasing the um, nutrients in the walls that have been sort of trapped between these cellulose walls. Um, you're getting vitamin B, niacin, riboflavin, all of these vitamins that weren't available before. And yeah, like there's also the carbon dioxide. Some people, if you're making a drink or something like that, some people who are wanting this digestive help, all fermented things are, are taken in smaller quantities because they are so good for your digestive system. There's so much going on, this, this carbon dioxide, as well as all of these um, enzymes breaking things down that you don't need a huge plate of sauerkraut and you don't need a huge plate of kimchi or whatever it is. You're actually only consuming it on the side. Um, and this is the reason that you don't eat a big, a big amount because it's actually so high in nutrients that our digestive system only needs a small amount to work. Um, so basically, you're also able to break down fats by, by eating fermented foods. And... Um, we, we think, oh, don't, don't have a lot of fats or eat a lot of fermented foods, but actually they break down those fats and digest them better, absorb the nutrients, say, from olive oil or coconut oil. So these are things that we actually need to eat in our meals and incorporate them like the Koreans. They have kimchi with every meal. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk more about the sugar because we hear a lot of the um, that conversation, particularly with the, the kombuchas, because the sugar is used to... Um, I guess, start the process. Can you take us through why sugar is used and then what happens to the, the sugars um, at the end of the fermentation process? Sure, yeah. So in kombucha um, or in, in many ferments actually, yeast is involved. So there's bacteria and there's yeast. And what yeast eats is sugar. It's like glucose. Um, and there's different yeast strands, like there's the milk kefir strand I was talking about. Every bacteria is a little bit different. It's basically like a pet in a way um, because you need to feed them and they eat and they grow. Um, and the milk kefir is eating lactose, which is a milk sugar. And the kombucha, the SCOBY, which SCOBY stands for Symbiotic Colony of Bacteria and Yeast, this one is eating uh, a glucose. And so when it's eating that sugar, it's turning into these acids and gases, uh, gases and alcohol um, in, in a way that's transforming it into this lactic acid um, probiotic drink. And so um, 
let's see. So we <laughs> want to know this. where the sugar ends up. So um, yeah, so it's turning in like the yeast is eating it basically, mm, mm. and um, it's turning into different kinds of probiotic enzymes. And in a way, like after fermenting, it depends how long you ferment it. If you're only fermenting it for two days, the sugar level is going down and turning into this carbon dioxide and gases. But after fermenting it for maybe seven or eight or nine days, you're actually getting maybe 80% less sugar than there was before. Yeah, yeah, great. So I think that's the important point. So we obviously want to look at the duration of the fermentation so that we make the decision around what the end product is. And, mm -hmm. you know, we want it to obviously be um, as low sugar as possible. And then, you know, there are certainly other options. So rather than using just a say a refined sugar, have you got some other suggestions for us in terms of other sugars that work for these sorts of ferments? Yeah, totally. So I, because I'm consuming it myself or I'm using it for workshops or for friends, I always try to use the top quality of anything, whether it's salt or whether it's sugar or, or teas or juices. And for sugar, definitely use something with minerals um, and, and vitamins like a raw cane sugar, um, for kombucha, some people say don't use honey, it will kill your kombucha scoby because it's, it's uh, antibacterial. However, I never say never and I have used honey and it has worked before um, and so there's always room for experimentation but honey, coconut sugar, um, raw cane sugar, adding some molasses which molasses has all of those vitamins and minerals in there that have been taken out from refined sugar, those are great sources. Um, and there's so many more, like there's so many good sources that are full, rapadura, um, jaggery, lots of different kinds. Okay, great. So there's plenty of options and always going towards the highest quality and, and a more natural version. So that's great. And we've spoken about gut health a lot here on the show. So I don't want to sort of dive in too deep um, there, but what I do want to cover next is the benefits of fermentation for particular um, I guess health conditions or, you know, and we will discuss athletes, but can, can you start for me with your experience with say the, the health benefits of ferments? You mentioned cancer in the introduction. Sure. Yeah, I have, um, because I've been, um, distributing different kinds of bacteria like milk kefir or water kefir or kombucha, um, and different varieties of yogurt, uh, strains, I have had met a lot of interesting people and quite a few, like quite a, quite a lot of people have come to me either themselves having been a cancer patient or knowing someone that has had cancer in their family. And they have told me that, you know, reading and doing a lot of research, all of their research sort of in terms of food leads to fermented foods as being sort of these um, probiotic cancer fighters. Because in a way, a cancer, like a tumor, is, is a particular kind of, of yeast. And if you're feeding it the wrong kinds of sugars, that it, the yeast can grow and actually can get worse. And so if you're feeding it with the right bacteria, you're able to kill off that, that yeast. That is the theory. Um, but like, there's definitely um, a lot of research being done at this point of how fermentation is a way to fight off cancer or to clear your skin or to heal your gut. Um, and there's being a lot of research done about IBS, 
um, irritable bowel syndrome, about digestion in, in general, about diabetes, um, and it's all about fixing our microbiome. Um, our microbiome is our individual, like a snowflake, we're all like little snowflakes inside and out, that we have this microbiome of different kinds of bacteria, bacterial composition. So your microbiome is different than my microbiome, and I'm able to digest different things because of the bacteria I already have inside me than you are. Maybe you're able to eat different things than I am. Um, and so we are sort of learning now how to shape our microbiome in a way that is good for us and good for, for our future and to not get so many allergies because there's so many young kids that have been born maybe cesarean section and don't go through their mother's natural birth canal where they're picking up all these vital um, good bacteria that are going to protect them in the long term. So there's so many things that are creating who we are. Um, we are from 10, 10 bacterial cells make up one human cell. So we are actually more bacteria than we are human. And this is not me saying it. There's so much research that's going on um, saying this kind of thing. And um, in terms of our health and quality of life, um, it's really important to get our flora in balance. And fermented foods are a really easy way, really tasty way, um, and really natural way to do this. Yeah, absolutely. And how would you say, or how would you encourage an athlete to develop a fermentation practice? Um, as an athlete myself, like I've been running half marathons for a while, and um, I always am craving something after a long run. I crave something more than water. I'm craving like my electrolytes back, those sort of like salts and minerals that I've maybe sweat off. And I personally love a tall glass of water with, you know, a couple shots of kombucha in there just to give me that sour taste. It's really thirst quenching and also gives you this, that kick of energy back. Um, and as an athlete, you're eating healthy, you're, you're watching what you have. Um, and it's also important to have a good digestive system. If your digestive system is kind of mixed up, you're not going to be comfortable running or you're not going to be com comfortable doing your sports. Um, and it's great to incorporate maybe a little bit of sauerkraut on each meal or some kind of um, garlic honey mixture. Um, you can ferment easily garlic and honey because honey... Um, will not ferment on its own. It needs water, which would in, in terms make it a mead. But just the little bit of garlic um, that you add to it has some water in it. And over some time, you can ferment garlic and honey, and it's like the ultimate cold fighter, the ultimate tasty thing on toast, um, and really great to pump up your immune system for anything, especially before races or before training. You really want to make sure that your immune system is up to snuff. Yeah, absolutely. Very cool. Now, share with us some of your favorite recipes. I know you've got a lot on your blog on edible alchemy, um, but give us some ideas, maybe a simple place that someone could start and certainly your favorites. All right. Wow, this is um, could be a hard question. <laughs> Just so, pick two for so me. <laughs> um, so maybe... Hmm. For, for people who don't have um, like special bacteria 
bacteria is with them, like a kombucha scoby or the water kefir or milk kefir, it's really easy just to start with vegetables because vegetables have natural yeasts on the outsides of their skins, just like fruits and vegetables. They have this natural yeast, and yeast basically eats sugar. It eats eating these different kinds of enzymes. So when you cut up, say, a cabbage, then you can crush it together with your hands. It's really great to get out any aggression. It's like a super light workout for your forearms. And throw in some salt in there, put it in a jar, and it will naturally ferment over the days that you leave it outside the fridge. And it's super easy, super tasty, and you're also getting all these benefits of probiotics. And you can basically do this with any vegetable that you find. You know, do it with carrots, do it with beets, do it with um, even celery works. Um, any kind of vegetable, even a combination is the best that you can think of. Um, and like when I say these yeasts, a great way to visualize it is to think if you've ever been to a grape orchard or some place, you might see a white dust on the outside of a grape skin. And you might think, oh, it's dirty or it's dusty or it's full of pesticides. But most of the time, that white dusty layer is actually natural yeast building up on the outsides of the skin. And when you crush that grape, when people do, they pick them and crush them with their feet or whatever they do, that's actually how they create wine. So now those yeasts on the outside can get to the sweetness on the inside of the grape. And that's what we're doing when we're crushing the sauerkraut, when we're crushing that cabbage with our hands, is helping those yeasts on the outside get to the sweetness on the inside and create this ferment. Now, over some days, fermenting doesn't take just one minute. It, it takes time. Um, and that's also the magic of the product that comes out of it, is that you never know what you're going to get and it's always going to be different every day, every week, every month that you try it. It's going to be a little bit different and also a little bit stronger. So if you're a beginner, start with cabbage. That's a fail, failless recipe. Cabbage and salt and maybe cumin or something that you're interested in. Um, otherwise, if you're not into that, try carrots or try beetroot. Um, try kohlrabi. That's a really great one. And um, even try kale if you're into kale. Yeah, it's, it's such a great way to start. It's so flexible and, you know, I love to do it with veggies that I've got left in the fridge that are perhaps not as fre fresh as they once were. So it's a great way yeah. to um, certainly be waste-free. Um, and I think fermented veggies are one of the easiest to integrate. As you said earlier, you only need a small amount as a side so you can easily add it to a salad or to, to your eggs and you just integrate it into your meal. So it's a really simple start. Totally, yeah, exactly. And like you were saying, it's a great way to, to be against food waste. You know, you see a wrinkly pepper in your fridge and you say, oh, I can't use that for a salad anymore. It's actually the perfect time to just throw it into a ferment because it's, it's already on its way out, you know, it's already doing its own thing. So if you just throw it into some salty brine or with some cabbage and mix it up, then it's, it's a perfect ferment and it brings out a flavor that never existed before in that pepper. So that's, that's the magic for me is that every time it is a result of your environment. So we can make the same recipe. I can make a sauerkraut with the same ingredients that you make a sauerkraut with at home. And our, because of our environments, because of the yeast in the air and the bacteria that's floating around us, 
and the temperature, all of these small little variables, our sauerkrauts will taste completely different. Yeah. And for me, that's, that's a magic. That's really great. Yeah, absolutely. That's really a great way to look at it. Now, I saw on your Instagram you were making a rose water kefir. Is that one of your more unique recipes or is that something quite, um, quite common that you do? Um, that one was very seasonal, actually. So this summer, um, I have a lot of access to friends that have organic roses in their gardens and in Berlin. And so they've invited me to pick them up. And um, when I get a chance to have organic roses, of course, I pick them and I can dry them. So yeah, it was definitely a seasonal flavor. Um, and when I'm making different things at every workshop I host, I have you know, a, basically a huge probiotic snack bar uh, with different sauerkrauts and different dips or vegan cheeses and lots of drinks to try because I myself, I'm always experimenting. And during a workshop, it's the greatest way to test it out on people and see what their flavor is, what your taste is. And um, the rose one was really popular. It was a really nice seasonal flavor. And so basically, it's not only my job to figure out what pe other people's tastes are, but their own, you know, idea to figure out, ah, okay, I really like the taste of water kefir more than the sour vinegary taste of kombucha, or I really like this sauerkraut rather than this, um, you know, carrot kohlrabi ferment or then pickles. And, um, and doing that in the workshops, we always make something together. And so people are able to sort of create from what the basis that I give them, basically being able to create their own ferment on their own tastes. Because everyone has a different taste bud. And I think that's also unique to us. Yeah, absolutely. Very cool. So the workshops sound like lots of fun. Um, obviously, you're in Berlin, though. So tell us about what you've got more virtually so that some of our listeners can learn more. I know you've got some webinars. Yeah, exactly. So at this point, there's webinars that are available and we're, we're building an online course. So people who want maybe, you know, a section of a course or, you know, a module, they'll be able to access that. And um, some parts will be doing webinars, so it'll be very interactive and I'll be doing it in front of, of, in front of you online, wherever you are in the world, and you'll be able to interact, ask me questions as we do it. Um, and I get back to you right as we do it. Um, and other ones will also just be um, videos, like recorded videos of me doing it. And you're also able to interact in a way after the video. Send me an email, ask me more questions. I'm very much in touch with the people that I work with because for the past three years I've been doing face-to-face -face workshops. And now that I'm doing this online presence, I'm very much, you know, figuring out how to interact with the world, which is really great. I'm finding people from all over, from Abu Dhabi, from America, and um, it's really exciting for me to find all these people who are into fermentation or curious about it. And um, I really, because culture is what I've studied, I've, called, I've studied international development, and I think that food is one of the most important, if not first things, that people relate when they think of their culture. Yeah, very cool. And what are the designs on your website? Can you tell us more around those? Sure, yeah. In, in terms, we call them zines, like ah. magazines. Ah, very good. So, 
it's basically like a short yeah magazine it's it's a handmade zine it's um we have two versions at this point um one about fermented vegetables and there's recipes and tricks and tips how to's what not to do's um different things about uh, vegetable fermentation and the other one is about different kinds of soda pops and drinks like kombucha or water kefir or dandelion soda different kinds of ferments and also cultured dairy so we're talking more about the different kinds of heritage yogurt cultures or milk kefir um making your own cheese uh different things like that and they're very handmade with love and this is sort of what edible alchemy started like um 2 years ago was very much involved and we still very much are hands on and so we like that the audience is able to interact with us that way that they can email me they can get my zine and they can see how much love went into it and ask questions amazing that's so cool and i love how passionate you are about it now your website is edibleelchemy.co and we will mm-hmm. pop some show notes to your social media pages as well so our listeners can head to the show notes and stalk you online and find out more around your um your online webinars and and certainly the um the programs that you've got in development cool great thanks so much for joining us on the show today alexis it was great to chat with you and i wish you all the best thank you thank you so much take care This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst The Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of The Wellness Couch podcasts.